All right, hello guys. Welcome to another episode of Lumia Sports. I'm your Smeetris Mason, joined again by one Darnell Jones. Oh, uh, what's up, guys? And joined again by Dom. Triple D's, you already know what it is. Yes, they do. And so let's get into it. Obviously, we had the weekend off, man. A little all-star break. Um, so uh, definitely <laughs> an all-star break. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we, we're killing it. Um, so let's get into it. We're gonna start actually with Friday and some of the most important games there. Um, and the we're gonna start with the Pistons Celtics. The Pistons ended up beating the Celtics 108 to 102. And one of those games where it looked like the Pistons were gonna falter and end up losing, but the Celtics could not quite come from behind and win. Mainly because Sadiq Bey just went crazy. 30 points, 12 rebounds for him. DeLon Wright also had 22 as well for the Pistons and for the Celtics. Again, no Marcus Smart on this game. No Kemba Walker. So even though Jason Tatum at 33, Jalen Brown at 27, it just really didn't get enough actually from Pritchard who only had two points. And no one else, obviously, no 20-point game this time from Ojale. And they just struggled scoring the ball. Uh, Darnell, what'd you see out of this one? Yeah, you summed it up pretty well about, especially from Detroit's perspective. I think Sadiq Bay had, uh, obviously he had a career night, seven, seven of seven from three, 10 of 12 on the field with his 30 points. And Jeremy Grant's been playing well for the Pistons. He was only five of 16 from the field, but it didn't matter because they got 22 from DeLon Wright. And for the Celtics, they need scoring outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They've been struggling to find a, a nice rotation to complement those guys the best. And having no market smart out there, it's really going to, it's really been tough because they've been tinkering with different lineups. You saw a lineup the other day where they started Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson. Now they're starting Simi Ojale and Peyton Pritchard and that seemed to not work. So Celtics have a lot of issues and, Tonight's just to start. Hmm. Don, what did you say out of this one? Hey man, normally when the Pistons wins games, then we see one constant thing, and that constant didn't happen, but somebody else picked up the slack. Normally, Wayne Ellington is doing what Wayne Ellington does. He's yeah. normally hitting threes, but he missed all yep. seven of them. They still won the game because you know why? Sadiq Bey was like, hey, let me, let me be him for the night. So he turned right into Wayne Ellington and made seven of seven from three. Mm-hmm. And with his with his 12 rebounds and, you know, totaling up to 30 points. And even though Jeremy Grant didn't have a good game, you know, DeLon Wright was able to, you know, pick up the slack and everything. So it's just like, you know, their, their main, their core players that are normally capable of doing stuff didn't really have too much of an impact. But, you know, their, their, their other players were able to, you know, offset it a little bit and this game you know if we talked about this on Saturday I would have been like you know what even though he's awful maybe they do need Kemba and then I realized oh well we'll talk about the other game after but what are you doing I'm just I was I'm just saying if we I mean we're doing this on Monday so I mean they know we're doing it on Monday so it's just like I'm just saying I would have said damn I guess they do need Kemba but We'll talk about that later. We'll we will talk more about how ass the Celtics are. Believe me. 
Yes, we will. My favorite thing to talk about. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Actually, <clears throat> this is on me because I forgot to tell you guys. This is one I wanted to go over as well. Only because it was the first time this year we've actually seen it happen. So the Mavs ended up beating the Pelicans 143-130. This man, Zion Williamson, really didn't miss a shot in the paint. Had 36 points. Ingram had 30 as well. And they still lose by double digits um, because the Mavericks really just didn't miss any threes. They all just went crazy from beyond. Luka just turned into Superman, 46 points, 12 assists, eight rebounds for him. Kristaps came out early, just firing away from three. And they realized, hey, man, if the Bulls can set records, so can we. I believe they hit 25 threes on this team um, and just blew them out of the water. We haven't seen the Mavericks do that all season. Um Dom, you were watching this one. What did you see out of it? So I, <clears throat> so I actually, this is one of the games that we, um, you know, we had differences in. I was like, I was like, so Chicago beat the the Pelicans by raining threes on them, and like they had to set a record, a franchise record, to beat them. And the Pelicans were on like a five game win streak going in before that game. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Uh, the Mavericks can't aren't supposed to be able to shoot threes, and you know, the Pelicans did just were just on like a five or whatever game win streak, so maybe they'll pick it back up tonight. And again, I saw I remember I was talking to Demetrius at halftime. I was like, bro, Zion is is setting records, and they're only up four. <laughs> I was like, they're not gonna win this game. <laughs> and then boom. For man, Luca found his shot against this team. Luca, Luca has been struggling from three all season, but he found it this game and he shot five of eight from three. Porzingis, who's also been struggling from three all season, found his. This is the first time all season Porzingis has cracked thirty, and it's been the first. It's the first time, at least in a while, that Luca's cracked forty. So, you know, they just played exceptionally well. They got a little bit of contribution from for, Dorian Finney Smith hit four threes as well. Like it's just the people who normally don't make a lot of threes were just making a lot of threes against the Pelicans. And as we know about the Pelicans, they're really a, a, a ground and pound team because they don't really, most of their players can't really shoot that well. And then the ones that can, can't play defense if they even going to shoot well, like JJ, he went three for five out there. But he can't shoot. Lonzo, he went four for ten from three. Bledsoe went four for four from three. Ingram went four of nine from three. Like they actually, they they all shot relatively well from three. However, I mean, Dallas just had their number that night. And as much offense as the Pel- the Pelicans don't score one thirty. Cause that was another thing. I was like, the Mavericks also can't play defense on top of not being able to shoot. So, you know, I thought the Pelicans were on one, but nah, the the, Ra- the Mavericks just found their rhythm this game. So, Darnell, what do you think? Yes, it's a surprising game. It's a game where if you look at the score or the box scores from the Pelicans, you'll wonder how do they lose this game. But the Pelicans really can't guard anybody. And Dallas just had a good night offensively where Lucas had a career high. And 17 of 30 from the field, scored his 46, 
Normally, you see him getting good rebound numbers and assist numbers as well. He had eight and 12. And Porzingis was hot from the field. I think he started off really good. And I think Dallas has been getting really good play from Jalen Brunson. He didn't really have a – it doesn't really jump off the screen, but he had a solid 13 and seven assists with six rebounds, four or five from the field. They've been getting really good point guard play, and it seems like their offense is kind of solidifying now that Porzingis has got his legs under him a little bit. And Dallas has been kind of digging out of that hole, and they're approaching 500, 500 and I still think they got a little bit of room to run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My, my thing is, um, it's not surprising because the Pelicans suck, but we'll get more into that later. Um, it stunk all season. They had a five-game mirage, but they're not a good team. Um, moving on, the Jazz beat the Bucks 129-115. And this is just a game where the Jazz just came out, and this is the first time I've actually fully watched them this season. Watching the game, I mean, Giannis had 29-15, but he couldn't do anything in the first half when they felt like stopping him. Um, they, they said Brooke Lopez has to beat us, and he was shooting okay, but not good enough to deal with their offense. And their offense just flowed just really well. Um, Gobert out there, and if, I mean, if he's going to score a same amount as Giannis, basically do what Giannis does. He had 27-12. and 12. He really, if he just equals the other center, you just see these guards. Donovan Mitchell, 26 points. Ingles, 27 Clarkson 25. It was just too much um, for the Bucks to handle, especially because they couldn't guard them with no Drew Holiday in there. Um, Darnell, what did you see out of this game? I saw Utah playing like the best team in basketball. When Whenever Utah – you look at the numbers and Donovan Mitchell scored 26. He was a plus 18. Mm-hmm. You got a plus 18 from Bogdanovich. He didn't have – a great game. He was only one for five from three. Donovan Mitchell was one for nine as well, but it didn't really matter because they got consistent scoring from Rudy Gobert with nine of 12 from 27, 27 from Ingles, 25 from Clarkson, and 10 from Favors. Like, whenever they're moving the ball like that, and if you saw some of the highlights and some of the plays of the game, they were playing some of the cleanest basketball that you'll ever watch, and it was just amazing to see. And I think that Milwaukee's – they're playing decent, but we kind of know what Milwaukee is at this point. So I don't think anything that they do kind of scares anybody anymore. But the way that Utah's playing, they still have a lot of upside, and they're catching a lot of teams off guard. Milwaukee was the latest victim. hmm Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dom, what did you see out of this one? I mean <clears> – <throat> Utah is just a team that, you know, they, they just know their role, really. Like like we said before, they know their role and everybody plays well. If you look, people have been in and out the rotation and they've still been on this, you know, massive winning streak. Donovan Mitchell's been in and out. Mike Conley hasn't played for a while. Like, Bonjanovic has been out. Joe Ingles has been out. Like, everybody has, aside, the, the only, the only like, two people that have been there the whole time are, like, Gobert and Royce. Past that, everybody else, and and Jordan. But for the most part, yeah. But, like, for the most part, everybody's been there, and everybody just knows their role. Royce just takes a few shots, plays good enough defense. He's good enough to guard the post well enough, and he's good enough to guard the perimeter well enough. And he just kind of does all, like, the little hustle stuff. That's why he's always, like, one of the higher plus minuses on the team. 
And, you know, Bonjanovic, he's good enough at playing perimeter defense. And then, you know, he always has the green light to shoot it. Mitchell, you know, he's always going to jack the most shots out of anybody. No angles. Uh, he's all, he has that same role as Bonjanovic. They're both just kind of like three and D players. And then, but Bonjanovic can put the ball on the floor. Honestly, they both can to an extent. And then Rudy Gobert, you know, he's the, he's the paint presence. And, you know, when you get him, here's the thing. When you get Rudy out on a pick and roll, what used to kill them, especially against like Steph or Harden or whoever, which, you know, they're two of the best guards of all time. So it's not even really fair to put that against them. But, you know, when normally when he would step like outside the paint, it would just be a disaster. But like the, the, the guards on Utah, well, the perimeter defenders on Utah are getting so good at playing defense that like they're just going over the screens and just like Rudy's not as much of a liability uh, outside of the paint as he was because the guards are like that good on defense at this point. And then off the bench, you know, he Derek Favors was a bad starter for for the Pelicans, but he is a good backup because he is capable of scoring and he is capable of getting rebounds. So, you know, Derek Favors has been a good pickup for them. Jordan Clarkson, he's going to go out there and just replace what Mitchell does out there, you know, jack a bunch of shots. And like we said before, he's in the running for, you know, sixth man of the year, if not leading it. If you're going to get almost 30 from four different people, then, you know, you're going to win most games. And then on Milwaukee's side, you know, they were missing Drew, so they were missing a decent amount of offense. But really, the key to the team it, it all depends on if he's going to have a good game or not. It really all relies on Dante. And, you know, Dante only shot two for nine. He went one for four from three. He was, he was the lowest minus out there with a minus 14. So, you know, especially without Drew out there, Dante is going to have to increase his offensive output. But regardless, Utah just – I just picked – I picked Milwaukee because I was like, bro, Utah not just going to win every game, but you know what they are. And I'm I'm tired – I'm tired of pretending like they're not. So, nah, know. keep picking against them. You're doing great, man. You're doing a good job. <laughs> I mean, So, yeah, that's pretty much it. My thing with Utah is they just really get a lead and they just don't blow it. Like, I was yeah. watching the game. They got a 10-point lead, and I was just completely unconcerned with the Bucks ever cutting the lead down. Yeah. Like now it's a 10, then it was 18, then it was 14, then it was 18, because they can both score with you and stop you enough. So yeah. they're really balanced. I mean, they do both extremely well. Um, it's, it's, it really yeah. is their defense. Their yeah, perimeter defense is really good. They're also a team that just knows when they're shooting the ball, and they just kind of get yeah. There's no – no one ever shoots it when they're not supposed to. They know who's going to jack it. Diamond Mitchell gets to the foul line enough. Um, and Ingles, they both can kind of run the offense. So they're going to pick on your your weakest defender. Um, and then with Royce, you just know that he Royce knows he's only going to shoot it when it's like a wide open three or something like that. Yeah. And so it is what it is. Moving on to Saturday, let's get into it. The Pacers actually win a game, beating another team that is faltering in the Hawks. 125-113. They did this on 41 fourth quarter points coming from behind and beating the Hawks. Um, in this game, Dom's favorite player, Sabonis, 14 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. Somehow a minus 13. Worst on the team. 
They still end up winning. <laughs> Dougie McDermott, he's an all-star. So Dougie McDermott, 26 points. He was a plus 16 best of all starters. And as we've told you before, best player on the team, TJ McConnell, six points. Yeah. Well, this four steals plus 32 off the What the list. hell? Ridiculous. Uh, for the Hawks, Clint Capella, 24 points, 10 rebounds. He was a plus 12 best on their team. Um, Trey Young, 15 points, 14 assists, only shot the ball nine times. Um, Collins, seven for 17 out there. Kind of a rare struggle game for him. And 717 is terrible. Only does a little bit better, 18 points, nine rebounds. And somehow Gallinari. 20 points, seven rebounds, seven of 14 in the field. He's a minus 20 out there. Um, so, Dom, what did you see out of this one? I saw the best player on the team take over. He was a plus. He was a plus one every minute he was out there. Damn. <laughs> Damn, TJ. But, nah, I mean, you know, there is two teams that's struggling right now. Um Atlanta's Atlanta's missing a lot of players as well. You know, as we mentioned, they're missing Bonjanovic. Obviously, they were missing Rondo for this game. Even though Atlanta themselves have said that you know Rondo has been a bad fit, and they don't they plan on trading him before the deadline. So you know, um, Bucks better go head on. Huh? Trade, Bucks better go head on and just trade Augustine for Rondo right now. I don't know if they want Augustine for him. They don't have any. <laughs> Hey man, I don't, I don't know what they're willing to 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 uh, get for him. That's but. the best they're gonna get with that contract. I'll tell you right now, they wants that yeah. last contract they signed him to. And they're still also missing um, DeAndre Hunter and stuff. So they're still missing. So this is a team that already wasn't that good at defense, and then they're missing their best defender and their supposed second best defender. And then they're missing more offensive contributions. So you know. It's going to be a struggle for them. But, yeah, there just wasn't a lot of scoring. I mean, Trey did get to the line 11 times, make nine of them. But he needs to – I mean, it's, it's, it's just – I mean, it's tough to say. The whole starting – like, you look at the box score, and Atlanta didn't play particularly bad. Like, they didn't score that well. I mean, they didn't, like, miss a whole lot of shots or anything like that. They were relatively efficient, relatively do what they do. But – it just came down to, I mean, McDermott went crazy. He had 26. And what I'm guessing was happening, it was probably a lot of TJ and, and Doug picking pops. That's what it seems like was probably happening because he did have three. He did have, you know, he did shoot six threes. So I'm sure it was a lot of pick and rolls. And that's probably why that like Danilo and and Danilo and Werder, because Werder was probably guarding McConnell. And then Gall and then Gallinari is probably on McDermott, so that's just what I would assume had happened. But yeah, the 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 Pacers were able to you know to take a good game. So, mm -hmm. Darnell, what did you see out of this one? Yeah, for me, I think it came down to the Pacers not <laughs> playing the way that we know that they could be beat, and that's playing with too much Sabonis and Brogdon. We've seen how that team, when they're playing that way, they have, kind of have a ceiling. And it yeah. seems like when they get more from Miles Turner, they get McDermott to go off for 26. He's been playing well this year. When he gets more opportunities, they have a higher ceiling. And they kind of showed that. Aaron Holiday had 18 off the bench. And like you said, T.J. McConnell, plus 32 with his 12 assists. 
So kind of getting more guys involved kind of seems like a good recipe for them. I think they need to score more points. And for Atlanta, having Trey Young's three-point shot taken away, he attempted zero. So that's something that you never see from Trey Young. And it kind of stands out. I think three and nine from the field, he's got to get more shot attempts. I'm sure he pretty much knows that. He he does his normal facilitating. He gets 14 assists, 10, 10 assists from Herder, which is crazy. But Atlanta scored 113 points, but too bad defensively. They couldn't get enough stops because 125 points they gave up and they ended up losing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, um, something that we used to see early in the season when they were winning a lot of games we haven't seen in a while, very much equal shot production. Um, one, two, three, four, seven players have between 11 and oh, – sorry, eight and 16 shot attempts. Um, for them. And that's just something that we saw early in the season. We were like, man, everyone on the team can score. But I think Brogdon and Sabonis started reading their own head clippings, and they are like, hey, wait a minute, we're all stars. And they started shooting it 20 times, which they did not need to do. And as you can see, when they don't do that dumb shit, they're right there. They can really – I mean, the Hawks really suck right now too. Um, but it's just they can win games. And something else real quick with the Hawks. If I'm, I'm going to assume Trey Young has a passive-aggressive personality just based off what I've seen. And there was a report that they wanted to trade John Collins. To me, it's no surprise he comes out, doesn't shoot the ball. And then John Collins shoots the most on the team, and suddenly they want to trade him. Because John Collins is probably like, hey, dude, can you really, like, stop doing that? Because you're like, we're losing games. When really so, – so I think now the whole organization's freaking out. And really the, the issue is they don't have their third or second, depending on where you rank. To me, I think Collins is their best and Hunter is their second best player, but whatever. Their third best player in Hunter, their fourth in Bogdanovich, and Rondo, who's going to be a necessity if they get to the playoffs. But I just think that as well, a he gonna be gone huh? by that point. He's gonna be gone by that point. Exactly. That's what I mean. But their organization's freaking out and they won't let them get there. They won't let them get out. We saw early in the year, man, they looked like a I really thought it was gonna be like, man, it's gonna be one of those years where they just are unstoppable and they're gonna get like a they're gonna be like a second round exit, but like a top three seed. And then they yeah. just won't because of the injuries, because now they don't have that scoring power. Hunter came out crazy. Yeah. Bogdanovich really shores up everything. Um, you know who Hunter has reminded me of this season? They've kind of been doing the same thing. Mikal Bridges yeah. on Phoenix. Yeah. And it's like, just imagine Phoenix if Bridges wasn't there. It's like the same type of thing. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's a great point. Yeah. Hunter has really had a, a wild rise. It's kind of what people were hoping and expecting. And then, He's went down because he's the one. He's the one wing player who can kind of just do something. Who can guard people and then score consistently, shooting it or off the dribble, just like the Bridges. Um, yeah. Although Booker's a wing player, Booker's more like a point wing player. Um. Anyway, though, moving on. Uh, I knew I shouldn't have picked my team to win this game because it felt like they weren't gonna do it. But the Suns beat the Sixers 120-111. Even though Joel Embiid did all he could, 35 points out there, they really just said, hey, guess what? Y'all will not be able to get up a lot of threes. Sixers shot 7-17 from three. They just weren't allowed to attempt a lot. Curry won for five from there. 
Um, Danny Green, two for three. They just really just didn't get up a lot of threes like they normally do. And for the Suns, hey, man, they came out. And Booker just said he wanted to win this game out there. And that's exactly what he did. 36 points for Devin Booker, 14 to 23. Chris Paul, 18 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. He was 8 of 13 as well. Um, and for the bench, I mean, Cam Johnson, plus 21 in 24 minutes. Jake Crowder off the bench as well, plus 16 in 33 minutes. That was a shocker. Sarge, plus 18 in 15 minutes. All their power forwards came off the bench and just obliterated the Sixers. Um, and it looked like they just did it, you know, as a team by tandem. Dwight Howard went out there, minus 12. Eyeball, minus 15. Weird game. It just seemed like they just outpower forwarded the Sixers. I don't really know what to make of this one. Darno, what did you see out of it? Yeah, for, for Phoenix, it proves that Phoenix is one of the elite teams in the NBA. I think they've taken a step. I think that Devin Booker kind of showed that it, did, it doesn't really matter who guards him. Ben Simmons has been playing great on the defensive end this year, and he got the matchup of Devin Booker, and he had no answers. He could guard him at all, and – you got a good offensive night from Joel Embiid. He does what he normally does, 35, eight rebounds. But like you said, they took away the three-point shot for Philly, and Philly was forced to take a lot of twos. And just tonight, Phoenix was just a better team. They got balanced scoring, 18 out of Chris Paul, 10 assists, does what he normally does. Aiden puts pitch in 11. And like we said, Jay Crowder – Deserves more minutes than Cam Johnson. He got his 32. Cam got his 23. So that looked like that's kind of solving itself. Sarch has not really been doing much this year. We haven't seen much of him, but he had 15. And whenever you can get that kind of scoring off the bench, it's kind of it's going to be hard to stop teams. And that's what we saw out of Phoenix. Tom, what were your thoughts on this one? It came down to what the reason y'all lost the other game. I forget who I lost to, but it came down to the same reason. Blazers. It, the, the Blazers, yeah. Y'all just didn't have enough bench production. And, you know, the Stars can score as, you know, they can do what they do. But one of the biggest issues that's plagued the Sixers for years is their lack was their lack of depth. But, you know, I mean, they're missing shake. Yeah. And, you know, so – but even even games where Shake was there, you know, like Shake wasn't always producing, but somebody else would produce normally, even if he didn't. But if nobody's gonna produce, like Cork Maz had been good this season, but you know, he was he he struggled. He struggled for the past few games. Dybul was a minus fifteen in fourteen minutes. I mean, Dwight, really Dwight not being that good recently has also hurt y'all a lot. Because, you know, he's the backup center and he's the one that gives Embiid time to sit down. So, like, if he's going to go out there, be a minus 12 in nine minutes, then, you know, he's not contributing to anything either. So it's just like you, the, the entire bench has been struggling. And if when, Shake's come, when Shake comes back, will Shake be able to, you know, change that? You know, yes. it, it, again, but he's been there. He has been there. And he has struggled as well. So that's the other thing about it. 
that's all that's all it comes down to well but yeah i think i think it all comes down to the bench production for this loss though while he struggled they didn't lose so yeah i agree he struggled kind of that's only because we saw him go off for 20 and 30 he still is going to give you more than six doesn't matter how much he's struggling and that's the best best bench production they had six Shake has scored at least 10 all season, I want to say. And that's probably a little low. Probably more like 15 is what he's, like, averaging. Um, But he's going to give you that, and he's going to give you just someone else who can handle the ball. It can't just be Maxi, And this – because, like, you know, he's he's, he's not – he's not – as much as early in the season, I like to compare him to that. Clearly, it was because Shake was there, too. He's not quite on the Halliburton, LaMelo ball level. But one other thing is it seemed like both teams were kind of playing around with their lineups a lot. Just kind of seeing what would work against a really good team. Um, Mike Scott hasn't played a lot this season. He's been hurt and hasn't played a lot. He went out there 11 minutes minus six. They were just trying to try him out. He didn't really do much. Um, but this this type of game is the reason that Korkmaz to me flying is an issue. Yes, he'd come out and shoot hot. But if he's ever cold, he is beyond useless. He doesn't play defense. And pass the ball great. And so he's going to be out there just jacking up shots and missing them and then not playing defense. Well, you know, what does that do? That's why, to me personally, I would much rather go out there and see Isaiah Joe because he can play defense. He will play defense. And he can shoot. I saw him in the games when, you know, he didn't have that many players. He was out there shooting the ball. Um one other thing for the Suns that I didn't mention, Cameron Payne came back, and that obviously, again, further shores up their bench. He played 15 minutes with a plus seven out there. He's just another player. Handle the ball, can do something with it. Um, and that kind of shows yeah. as well. And each one more, we've seen him really produce out there as well. He had 11 off the bench. And yeah, like, like, yeah, like you-, you guys were both saying, it was really the bench production. Um, rare, I'm going to do this, but shout out Monty Williams. He saw Kaminsky out there for 11 minutes and was like, you know what? He doesn't need to play any more minutes in this one. He just went to the other three power forwards. He's like, there's just a bad matchup for a good team. Respected. He did it and put out his best player for the third most minutes. They crowded out there at 33 minutes, and that's how you get wins. Hey, man, I'm very happy. I'm very proud. This is the first time I, I've gone on a full-on Sixers rant, really all podcasts. You know, everyone knows I'm Sixers fans. I'm proud of that. Yeah. Balanced. Keeping it very <laughs> – even, you know. Darnell knows these shoots happen way too often, but you know what? Go with it. Better now. Um, moving on, the Nets beat the <laughs> Warriors 134-117. Hey, man, for, for this game for the Nets, I, I just knew they weren't losing this one. They just – no DeAndre Jordan. It probably absolutely helped them out. They decided to just start KD at the five, basically starting him with Brown and Harris. And they said, we'll just play him against Draymond. Who cares? Who cares? That's exactly what happened. Him or <laughs> I don't even know, but it doesn't matter because Draymond ain't going to score. And KD went out there, 20 points, 6 assists, 8 of 19. Kyrie, 10 of 17, 23 points. Harden, perfect. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 16 assists, plus 28, 11 Shots. This is exactly what he wants to do. He didn't even have to do what he does. Man had to go to the foul line twice. Steph Green off the bench, 14 points. And for the Warriors, Steph was a minus 26, but still 27 points. 
five assists. Draymond also in minus 26, six points, eight assists, but he had zero turnovers. So you know, you know what I'm looking at. Ubre, 17 and 10, minus 22, six of 15, one of five from deep. And hey man, Pascal tried. He had 16 off the bench. He was a plus seven. Bazemore, plus 12 off the bench. But they just didn't have enough, obviously, to beat the Nets. It's a high-powered offense. Um, Darnell, what'd you see out of this one? Yeah, for me, for Golden State, you've got to figure out a way to get scoring. And Steph Curry, he shot well from the field, but his three-point shot wasn't falling. He was two of nine. Normally, he makes more than that. Normally, he makes close to 10 again. Close close to 10, somewhere in that range. Not not at the level of 10, but a few under that. But I think they got to get more out of Andrew Wiggins. They know that. Draymond Green's been playing well in the facilitating role, but when Steph's not making his threes, that really is not as effective. And we know Kelly Oubre can't shoot, so that just leaves JTA out there. And We know he's uh, he's been a great story for them, but you can only expect him to do so much. And you we know for Brooklyn, Brooklyn has James Harden, who's playing point guard now. I guess Kyrie Irving had went up to James Harden over the last few days or so and told him, you're going to play point guard, I'm going to play shooting guard. That's how that's going to play out. We're going to do what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> – just so there's no just so there's no confusion, like you passing the ball is working, so you keep passing the ball to me, and I'm a score. And this is what I do, and this is what they do. We know Kevin. We know Kevin Durant. He's going to do what he does. He only had 20, but he didn't really need to do much either, because Kyrie Irving's been the most consistent player for them all year, and he's yeah. just been continuing to show up. Dom, what were your thoughts? I mean, Brooklyn's a team that doesn't really defend, but then Golden State is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of offense outside of stuff. People are capable of scoring, but, like, you know, if Wiggins going to go 7 for 15 and Oubre going to go 6 for 15 right with them, if they both going to take 15 shots and miss most of them, then I mean – we know Draymond can't score. And like you were just saying with with Juan, I mean, Juan is, you know, he's a good starter because, you know, he'll play defense and he'll shoot the ball. He's capable of shooting, but, you know, he's not anybody that's going to, you know, make the box score go crazy. So, you know, and then off the bench, you know, Damian Lee, as we've said before, like he, 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 he started off real hot to the season. But as the time's gone on, his 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 points have started dwindling. He's become a little less efficient. But uh, Pascal hasn't didn't even have that bad of a game. But you know, the fact that he really can't shoot threes, you know, that harms him a lot. Really, it came down how many threes did they have? They had Steph had two, Uber and Wiggins had two together. Yeah, uh, he had two. Yeah, they had nine. So, I mean, for a team that's known for shooting threes. And then Harden had five on his own with Joe having three. Durant had one. Kyrie had two. Tyler Johnson had three, you know? Yeah, like, they had 16. They just, yeah, they just got outrained. And for the team that normally rains it on them, you know what I mean? 
they didn't have enough production out of everybody. Because even like Steph was, Steph was, Steph is just naturally going to be efficient. But I mean, he just didn't have much help from anybody else. So, so what I thought was interesting, Darnell, I don't, I don't think you were with us when we first reached the conclusion of this. Um, but Kyrie going in and being like, hey, James Harden, you're going to be the point guard, blah, blah, blah. Trying to act like the leader, whatever the fuck. Or like, whatever. Whatever Kyrie's trying to do. No one ever knows. I don't think he knows, but it's fine. <laughs> because James Harden has reached the conclusion that James Harden, to be exact, he said, you know what? I know exactly what I want. I got everything I wanted. I already got all the MVPs. I got the scoring titles. I did all this. And he kind of reached a weird, a weird LeBron conclusion in that I'm just going to just do what I need to do when I need to do it and relax and just really let everybody else do what they can. And that's the whole reason it took one game and I saw it and I was like, oh, me and Don Bosa was like, oh, he doesn't want to necessarily score if he doesn't have to. He is a-okay with letting everybody else do all the work. And that's why to me, not only him, but the fact he really elevates someone who was playing great early in the season as well, but he really elevates Joe Harris because his willingness to just go down and let Joe Harris almost shoot the same amount of shots as him. And with the majority of them, they're going to come from the three-point line. That makes them all around more devastating as a team. Because you know Kyrie's going to just shoot whatever. KD's going to shoot whatever he wants to. But if you can get Joe Harris involved and make him a factor and make him hit some threes, that's kind of a little bit like what the Lakers have with KCP. It's kind of that that extra dimension of just, damn, we forgot about him. Yeah. Now he hit, and now we're in trouble. Because you know no one on the bench for the Nets is really good. I mean, Tyler Johnson did, but he was still a minus eight. So they said, you know what, even though you can hit, you got to get the hell out of here. Because um, you know TLC and yeah, Shane's think- not going to be able to do it. So it's really got to be Joe Harris with that three-point production. Um, so actually, I want to know, what are, what are your thoughts about that that theory? that James Harden has truly become himself. I think that it's – he's definitely becoming himself. And I remember watching him I, – I used to watch him a lot when he was in Oklahoma City. And he was the point guard. Russell Westbrook was a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant did what Kevin Durant does. They're kind of playing that similar style, just kind of more yeah. of an advanced level, just with Kyrie being a more dynamic scorer than Russell Westbrook. And I think you want to surround any facilitator with one of two weapons, and they happen to have both. They happen to have a lob threat and a shooter on the floor. So give them that kind of array of toys to play with, and you're going to see high percentage or high number assist nights. And you saw that with 16 the other night. It's funny because, like, Harden really has become OKC Harden, but with the but just with like the knowledge of you know this is this is like ten years in his career now, so with right. just the knowledge, you know, just the 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 experience and everything like that, he really just is who he was at first, just like a new and improved version of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and again he, and again, Kyrie Irving it's just better than Russell Westbrook and always has been throughout their entire careers. So, I mean, 
if you're just gonna have a if you're just gonna have an OKC trio and then just flip Westbrook with Kyrie, <laughs> like pretty much, and he's still yeah, got no. He's an underrated, important piece of that whole thing. He still got who? Oh yeah, Jeff Green. Jeff Green, the underrated. Oh yeah, player. Jeff Green was right the fuck there before yep, they, they traded him. for Perkins for no reason, <laughs> no reason at all, and ruined every ruined the whole friend. Wow, <laughs> this really is the. This is the OKC <laughs> Nets. Hold up. It's exactly who they are. And I just, again, man, James Harden, first in the league in assists right now, 11.2 a game. Just And he's doing exactly what he wants to do, which is not too much, man. He said, you know, I'm too old. I'm too big for all that. I'm not going to do it till I have to. <laughs> and this year, he's not going He's not going to be tired in the playoffs. So we're, we're it's going to more I watch it, man, they really do just need one defender. Just one. And Brown kind of can be the one, but I think they need him to be off the bench and just work better. Ain't yeah, that ain't that what they got Shump Man for? Anyway. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, ain't that what he's supposed to do? Play yeah. defense? Oh, Shumper. I thought you meant Shannon for some reason. He hasn't even uh, played yet. I got to see him play first. Um. But for some reason, I think James Harden just being closer to age at this point to Kyrie and more like, you know, the media is not going to be like, hey, how has James Harden been as a father figure to him? Kyrie's just like, oh, this is what LeBron's talking about. Okay. And Kyrie leading his own team. Oh, this is what LeBron's talking about. Yeah, I'm a shooting guard. Okay. The fact that he said it, it means something. I yeah. The fact that he acknowledged what we all saw. <laughs> He won't acknowledge that the world is round, but he will acknowledge that he's the shooting guard. I guess that is more important. That's, hey, man. All he said was that it's up to you to decide whether you believe that the world is flat or whether it's round. It's up to your perception. That's all he's – he ain't say the world was flat. He said it's up to you to decide whether you believe it's flat or not. I'm going to decide to laugh at him. That is my decision. My decision is to laugh at him. That's what I'm should, Bro, bro, Kyrie took one trip, and now the whole world is opened up to him. Hey, man, kudos to him. It's a wild ride, man. That's what he he took them 10 hours. He took them 10 hours and was like, you know what? <laughs> the world isn't what I thought it was. <laughs> and I'm a shooting guard. <laughs> hey man, if he need if he needed to if he needed to take a trip to realize that he's a shooting guard, then damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, whatever opens your mind. Um moving <laughs> on. Off of drugs to something more boring. The Spurs beat the Hornets 122. 110 surprisingly because they came out in the first quarter and only had 17 points but i don't i don't fucking know what greg popovich does because in the second quarter they had 47 and it was tied hitting into the fourth it looked like charlotte had him and they just came out 33 to 21 i really was going to watch this game and try to study exactly what the freak they do but i think looking at the stats i, I have an answer right they played this guy vassal they played him for seven minutes he was a minus 11 they said, you know what? Today, not your day. 
Lonnie Walker came off the bench this game. So they switched him and White around, and White actually exploded today. Um, 25 points. Yeah. Porphyry from deep. Jante Murray, 10 of 22, 26 points. DeRozan only shot the ball eight times, but he had nine assists, so I guess there was King on him. Kelvin Johnson, 18. And Lonnie off the bench, 11. Patty Mills, 10, but he just, I guess, kept shooting threes. He shot up eight. That was enough. Rudy Gay, a plus eight out there at 12. It one, two, three. Six people in double figures, two other with eight. And the Hornets don't really play great defense, so they just kept attacking it. Um, Terrell's your tried. He 33 points out there, four assists. Fortunately for Lamelo, this is a game where he couldn't just do what he wanted to do. Coach was very happy to watch him go out there and turn it over five times as they get the loss. 17 points, though, 12, 12 rebounds, eight assists, but a minus 16 for him. Bridge is a rare off night for him. He just was fouling people. Five fouls. <laughs> Malik Monk had 23. Man, look at this. It really is like some wild equation. McDaniels was out there for 25 minutes, and he was a minus 17. Oh, they didn't have Gordon Hayward. I didn't even notice that. I wouldn't have picked him if I saw that. Yeah. All right. Have no Gordon Hayward and no P.J. Washington means, yeah, you need every part to beat this team, and they just didn't have it. Um, Dom, what did you see out of this one? I just realized something, and it's like looking at the Spurs, it's like they've been – this has been happening. Honestly, it's not even on the Spurs. It started happening in Toronto, and the trade to the Spurs really, like, started – DeRozan's really turning into, like, a point guard for the most part. And like it, like I said, he started doing it in Toronto. His playmaking was always getting better because you know what? He, he's really similar to Westbrook because neither of them can shoot threes, and they're all, they're only really good at like you know finishing. And DeRozan at least had, has a mid range shot. He's one of the best mid range shooters of all time, let alone right now. So you know, DeRozan has just like he's accepted his role of being a playmaker. And I think like he was doing it in Toronto, but they needed more from that more, more than that from him because Toronto didn't have all the offense necessary without him. But with the Spurs, you know, you know, the Spurs, <clears throat> they just don't employ, you know, bad people for the most part. So everybody is capable of doing something. And DeRozan really does fit the role of, he really doesn't have to score that much. Like, he's capable of it. He does put up his 20s. He does put up 30 occasionally, 20 sometimes. But when you look at it, like, he's averaging seven assists. His assist rate is always going up. So, like, it's different than Westbrook because Westbrook still does shoot a lot. And on the Wizards, he honestly has to shoot a lot because that team is depleted with talent aside from Beal. But with the Spurs, DeRozan doesn't have to shoot too much. He really only does it when he has to. But he prefers to be a playmaker. It's honestly this like the same thing we were saying about Harden. He's not Harden, so like he really he's missing the three. If if DeRozan ever had the three, he he would have been so much better of a player. But you know, that's never gonna happen. Whose fault and, is that? So, but again, his his, his, his huh? Said so whose fault so, is that? Him, but still. Hey, man, we see Giannis try, 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 try. Some people just don't got it. Giannis has been trying all the time, and he still can't do it. But, 
like DeRozan, you know, he's just a, he's just a accepted himself to be a facilitator. Because, like I said, sometimes he will have them will have them thirty point games. Other times he do only be scoring like six points with like ten assists and maybe winning the games. I think I think it's just learning their roles. Like so, you were saying Aldridge is you know their most important player. I like I don't think they're doing this without DeRozan either. Like I think they're kind of split. Honestly, I would even say DeRozan is a bit more important, but you know, <clears throat> that's how I that's that's what I think about the team. Everybody just kind of well, you know, the Spurs system has always been about ball movement, and since DeRozan's already been trying to do that in Toronto, then he came right over and just fully embraced it. Mm-hmm. Darnell, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think for the Spurs. They've been getting really, really good play out of DeMar DeRozan. And like Dom said, he's been playing that facilitator role. De- DeJounte Murray as well. And get Derek White back has been key. He pissed in his 25. And whenever they can get balanced scoring like that, they kind of exploded in the second quarter, beating Charlotte 47 to 26. And I think that kind of sealed the win for San Antonio and Anytime Charlotte doesn't have their full array of weapons, you're not really going to see them play that well because they kind of need – they kind of play by committee. And LaMelo has been having good assist numbers because he has a lot of weapons out there, a lot of options. But when you take some of that away, you kind of limit him and what he can do. And even though Terry had played a good game, his 33, it kind of just wasn't enough because you saw so much balance scoring from – San Antonio. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the reason that Derek White is so needed. Um, Because they they have a game like this where they can kind of explode. Because now they got – because Kelvin Johnson, we've been – man, from the beginning of the season, we've said it, him in the starting lineup. There's a reason he just came out of nowhere and starting. Like, Greg Pavis isn't going to do that. But he's a consistent scorer. Jante Murray now can explode because Derek White's going to be out there hitting threes. So now Murray can kind of go to the basket more often. So now it's him and DeRozan. And now, because Lonnie isn't a three-point shooter that much either. And on the bench, you have Lonnie and Rudy who can go to the basket and Patty Mills can shoot. So this is ideally the team that they want to have out there. And you can kind of see it. They just really need one shooter and another guy who can kind of do it. I guess Kelton's one who can kind of do it. Mm-hmm. He gets a guy who can kind of do it. But if they have Derek White and Patty Mills. Well, Rudy. <clears throat> go ahead. I said Rudy can as well. He can kind of do it as well. Yeah, that's what, that's what I said, but thank you for interrupting me to say that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so if you have one guy who can do it, one guy who can kind of do it, clearly Greg Popovich has, has some magical offense that no one can ever figure out, and now they're 16 and 11, and I, just, I give up. I just give up. I give up. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pick Spurs games. I guess if they play anyone under 500, I'm just going to pick the Spurs and just call it a day. It. I also didn't know. Go. They just beat everyone under 500. Anyone, who's, anyone who just has any flaw. Any way. <laughs> and then moving on. Well, they did just be going state, too. <clears throat> yeah, going state has a ton of flaws. A lot, actually. Yeah. Um, but moving <coughs> on to that dude who continues to try, can't really shoot threes. 
the Bucks beat the Thunder. I'm sorry, the Thunder beat the Bucks. Whoops. 114-109. Another game. No Drew Holiday. I, I really think I hope that they figure out what they need to do and just put dude on the bench. Cause as you can see, first off, Giannis, 24 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, great performance from five turnovers. So again, they're trying to do that thing where they make him a point guard. He's not a freaking point guard. He's going to have a lot of turnovers. Um, Middleton minus 10 out there, 22 shots, but he has to shoot the ball. Forbes shot it 17 times, only made six of them, but somehow he's a plus five. So again, for uh, Dom's theory, you can't blame Forbes for this one because Bobby Portis, man, he tried. 9-14 off the bench, 21 points, plus six. Plus six, and he was playing with the other dude. And this guy, DJ Augustine, 22 minutes, seven assists. 0 for 3 from the field, minus 13. I'm hoping that when Drew Holiday comes back, keep Forbes in the starting lineup, with Divincenzo on the bench, and never play Augustine again. Anyway, for the Thunder, no Shea Gillis Alexander, no problem as they just continue to, I don't know. I really feel like they beat they beat teams they're not supposed to beat, and they're still not that good in the record. They're 11-15, and 15, and they keep beating teams again. They're like a little bit better version of the Pistons. Um, but anyway, Horford, 20 yeah. points, 8 for 16, <clears throat> 9 assists, 7 rebounds for him. Uh, Dort, 19. Plus 10 for him as well. Uh, Jackson started this game. He had 22 points. I just, again, that weird equation. I understand it. No one really was awful out there for them. Diallo was a plus zero because he had 13 rebounds, but he was three of 16 from the field. But he's got to shoot it off the bench. It's like his whole job. He's got to shoot it. He he just shoots it and goes and gets it, I guess, because he had six offensive rebounds. He said, fuck it. I'm just going to get the ball. Um, no Shea, no Maladin, no Hill. Three very important point guards for them. Didn't matter. Win the game because the Bucks were missing their point guard. And their other one sucks. Um, Darnell, what were your thoughts on this one? This one was a really surprising game. Um, mm-hmm. Without Shea out there, you wonder how Lou Dort's going to get his shots. But he still managed to get 13 of them, eight three three-point attempts. Darius Baisley took seven. Al Horford took seven. And they made 15 as a team. You look at the production from the starters, very balanced. Not no Nobody off the bench jumps out of the screen, but everybody pitched in with a few baskets of their own. Even though we know the bulk of it came from Diallo shooting 16 of them, but three or 16 is not going to get it done. However, he was a plus zero. I have no idea. But – Defense. I'm looking at – it's got to be defense. I'm looking at Milwaukee, and, yeah, they've got to figure out what they what they want to do as far as – I think – I still don't want to say that Milwaukee's struggling right now because I think that they're tinkering because they know they have to, because they know they have the playoffs to look ahead to and figuring out how to get this team to play right heading into the playoffs is the ultimate goal not getting regular season wins like last year. So I'm not too worried about Milwaukee. I know they have a ceiling. I'm still waiting to see if they can break through that ceiling. But uh, a loss against OKC is bad, but I'm not too worried about it. I think OKC has been playing well enough to to 
kind of get victories like this. Mm-hmm. Dom, what were your thoughts? Well, we know what Bucks games. What it normally comes down to is the three-point shooting versus the three-point shooting. And, you know, Dante had – Dante shot well from three. Man, he, he went five for seven, but past him, you know, Forbes went two for eight. Brooke only took one. Um, Middleton went two for seven. Augustine missed all three. Boom. You know, Bobby went two for three, but past, <laughs> but past him. But past, like, DiVincenzo and Portis, you know, everybody shot pretty bad from three. So, you know, and then if they're also not going to have the defense to stop threes – because, again, we know that Forbes and Augustine aren't very good perimeter defenders, then, I mean, you know, it, the, the OKC just hit. They, they lost by five, and it's because OKC had, like, two more threes in them. And then they had, like, three more free throws because there's just more defensive liabilities on, um, on uh, Milwaukee so than OKC, I guess. <laughs> no, 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 no. And Justin Jackson going four for four from three. That is crazy, too. So, you That's know. Crazy. Wild. I'm not going to let you put Forbes in this little ball with Augustine. Because last time we did this, you tried to say that it was both of them. No, it's just him. He sucks. He's garbage. He's it's, it's so, so Forbes is locked down now. So Forbes, Forbes is a plus five. You can chill on Forbes. He, he Forbes was, he's a lockdown right defender. No. He's a lockdown defender. Forbes, they you know what he had? Good you know what he had? You know what he had? Defenders. Let me tell you what he had. The second what best plus minus on the team in 33 minutes. Did have the second best plus minus on the team. That don't stop the fact they can't guard. Well, somebody was out there not guarding with all. You know who it he was? Can't, he can't be you the know only who it was. Person. It was one guy. And he sucks. And he's terrible. He's a minus 13 every time they lose. I said somebody got to be out there not guarding with him. It, no, 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 you no, no, can't. No, 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 no. It's not with him. It's by himself. He and himself <laughs> is awful, all right? He and himself is trash. He's garbage, and he doesn't need to play. I'm just saying. I ain't I'm saying he good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Drew Holiday should come back, put even chance on the bench, and never play Augustine again. They do that. He'll be right back up in the one seed. He's the whole problem. Okay. Entire issue. With okay. Him. If he's if he's the he's the only problem with this team. Okay, I hear problem. you. Oh no, they have other problems. The biggest problem is that they don't have George Hill anymore. That's the big issue. With at least their yeah. season success. And the and the first three quarters. It, to me, to me, this just makes it clear. However, that Forbes can do enough, right? Like he's it, it, yeah he shot six or seventeen but whatever even though he well, did that he's still a plus five I think him being out there well, is- I never I never said he was bad I I said that you can't put them together that's yeah, no, 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 really no, 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 all no. I you can't put them together because he can't be together with anybody that's the problem that's the issue <laughs> it's not that he can't be together with Forbes it's that he stinks but that's the point I think this shows that Forbes can be capable enough. Where what you need is you need DiVincenzo off the bench. You really do. So he can kind of just do whatever he wants to do. Because I really think he needs more than yeah. shots, actually, in a game like this. If Forbes is going to shoot it 17 times, so I think it's a little excessive. But whatever. He's still a for whatever reason. That's, that's kind of excessive. He shot it too much, but I guess, fuck it. I guess he had to. 
I don't know. And look, and look, he only took eight threes, so that means he took like nine. Just like I got zero shots. free throws. Hey Amen. I know. I'm looking right at it. It's pretty bad, but whatever. I think the team Vincenzo should be off the bench. Drew Holiday's just a better version of DiVincenzo. And put him on the bench. And he can come out there. He can jack threes. And then Bobby can just come off the bench and just jack threes. You still got Forbes and Middleton out there who can shoot it as starters. And that can just be that. What you can't have is DJ Augustine play in a playoff game ever. So if they figure that yeah. out. And who knows if Boonho's a good coach? At this point, or if he just he just has Giannis, because man, I, I'm gonna give him the excuse for right now because there's no Drew. But if I still see DJ, he's a mean play 20 minutes, 20 minutes, bro. 20 minutes. What we learned about him is that he's a regular, he's been a regular season coach. Like he took it again. That Atlanta, that Atlanta team was like the seventh seed. And then as soon as he came in, it was the same roster, and they went first. It's like he's it's like he's good at he's good at maximizing what they do, but it's just like as soon as people have them figured out, he doesn't adjust. He's just like you know what, this is what got us here, and we gonna stick with it. And so that's that's really his the problem with him with him coaching. That's why he can do it in the regular season. You can do it against a bunch of different teams that don't give a fuck about you. But as soon as you know a team locks in on you. They're like, oh wait, we we figured something out. He's not like, hey, let me try and figure something out with him. He's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, in fairness to Boone, let's just keep doing team. it because it brought us here. Yeah, that Atlanta team did get to the conference finals before they got swept. You know, they got there, so they they definitely maxed out. But this Bucks team and, is not maxing out, so that Atlanta team can be whatever it was. This Bucks team has not been doing that. Nope, lost the second round twice. Nope. Well, they did. Well, they went to they went to the no they went they went to the conference finals the one year they want they lost to Toronto yeah no one well, of the other two times they lost them so we're not I don't it's only been one other time with him but he's only been there two years whatever I know it feels longer but he's only been there two years about like a decade a decade of watching him go there and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, so moving on, the Nuggets beat the Lakers 122-105. Anthony Davis played for 14 minutes, but then left the game re-aggravating an injury. Um, he did have 15 of those 14 minutes, and it was a minus 40. He really looked like he's going to help them lead the charge for this win. But after he went down, they just could not deal with the Nuggets scoring. Uh, LeBron out there, 22 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds, but a minus 17 because he was trying to do everything out there. I have a theory on one of these players, uh, Schroeder, 3 to 10. I'll get to that in a minute, though, minus 8. And uh, Caruso, rare game. He was somehow 4 for 6, but a minus 19 out there. Kuzma had 19 off the bench. And uh, I see why he was a minus 19. My bad, Caruso. It's Wesley Matthews going out there. 17 minutes, 0 for 2 shooting, 3 fouls. Caruso also had 3 fouls as well. So they're just out there hacking people. All game. Um, <clears throat> for the Nuggets, for a junior, three for 11, one for seven from three, a plus nine. Jokic, 23 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and Jamal Murray decided this game, you know, he's going to try. 25 points plus 27, seven to 15 from the field. Um, Darnell, what did you see out of this one? 
Yeah, I think this game came down to Anthony Davis just re-aggravating that Achilles injury that he's had been dealing with all season. I think that's a major development with Lakers that we have to monitor because if they don't have Anthony Davis, then I don't think they have a chance to repeat, obviously. But for Denver, Denver got good, solid production out of their starters and good production out of their bench. So Denver's been playing basketball, really, really good basketball lately. They score a lot of points. We know they don't have they don't play the most defense, but the Lakers they don't if they don't have Anthony Davis, they don't have enough scoring to compete with a team like Denver. And Denver playing at home just ran them off the floor. Yeah. Dom, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, he might as well just they said he's hinting at, you know. He'll he'll try to come back, you know. He'll try to come back. He'll try to be cautious with his return. He might as well just go ahead and sit sit down for like two months and just let that shit fully heal or whatever. Because the last thing they need is for him to go out there during a regular season game and tear it or something. So I think I think he should be like highly cautious to the point where it don't matter. Where to the point where it's like it's fully healed. Cause like you know, that's all it came down to for this game for me. We picked them because Anthony Davis was playing. And then if he's going to get hurt in 15 minutes, I mean, Denver is a playoff team. They did just beat – they they did win a game against them last year in the playoffs. So we know Denver is a capable of beating them. But if it, but if Anthony Davis ain't going to be there, then, I mean, you know, I just think Anthony Davis might as well just go ahead, wait till that thing is fully healed, and, you know – just wait till then. Yeah, I agree. I think he's trying to play because LeBron, you know, last year was like, let's go. We got to play. We got to play. We got to play. So he's trying to tough it out. But he already did it. And he did that last year. We know you're injury prone. You're good, man. Just sit down. Probably already got your all-star game. Relax. Just chill out. Yeah. One thing for the Nuggets that I find very interesting. I was doing some research. Talk. Um, Uh-oh. my theory, my theory on the Lakers. I think Schroeder comes out early in the game, shouldn't start, but he shoots the ball, kind of ruins the rhythm. I don't know if that happened this game, but I've just watched them do it, and we've seen them trail against a lot of teams they shouldn't be trailing against. Um, and that's just what I think normally happens to them. So that's not really something that happened in this game, but it's just something to look for if you ever see them trailing because Schroeder's running the offense, and LeBron's like, All right, I kind of want to win this game actually, so let's stop doing that. Um, I think it's a, I think he's going to have to do that going forward, though, because now with no Anthony Davis, Trey's probably going to have to take that offensive run. So we'll see how much that affects him. And if he can kind of pick it up, because as we said, he's been struggling a lot this season. He wants to start for no reason. Bro, this, this dude, this dude is literally a sixth man. He's he just won. He didn't he win sixth man of the year last year. I'm not. Or sure. didn't he? He won it like one. No, Harrell won it last year. The year before it was Lou. He finished second last year. Ah, uh, okay. He's been top three for yeah. a while, at yeah. least. He's he's been in the conversation at least for a while. And now he's just up and like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna be a starter now. Like, no, bro. Do you see bro? Like, do you see what Jordan's doing right over there in Utah coming right off the bench? Jordan Jordan was literally you like four years ago. <laughs> 
right there, right on that same team, coming right off the bench and putting up 30 and got, you know, well, not 30 exactly, but sometimes it would be 30. But, you know, that's what Schroeder is. And, like, that's all they need him to be. He's just like, nah, nah, I, I came off the bench long enough. I'm starting now. If you want to maximize your talent, maximize your role, maximize your your money, because he, he will make more money coming off the bench than he will starting because he's just way better suited at that role. But, hey, man, Dennis can do what he want to do, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, he definitely want to do what he wants to do. And um, have him come off the bench. You said what? For me? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Dennis Schroeder's better suited coming off the bench as well because I don't think he's an elite caliber starter. And I think LeBron's better suited playing point guard. I think putting him in a bench, on the bench, having him playing like kind of like the Clippers were last year with Harold and Hello. With, yeah. Yeah, but having him with Harold coming off the bench might be better for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that would be perfect for them, but, you know, Schroeder wants to do what he wants to do, so whatever. Um, One thing that's very interesting for the Nuggets, I was looking at this. This guy, Zeke Nanaje, first-round pick for them this year. Um, He came out this game 16 points, but 80% from deep. Uh, it's weird because so far this season he's played 13 games and averaged, you know, only five minutes a game, three points, whatever. But he shoots at 60% from deep. So this wasn't a one-game thing. He kind of does this kind of consistently. I'm interested to see if they're going to play him more. Um, they should. And I just feel like if, if you want to, he's not going to be there, obviously, this season. But if he can be any little itty any part of what Grant was shooting it from deep, then it's something that they should do, and it's something that someone they should play more because they're kind of struggling um, from that end a little bit because you know the dude Porter kind of has been struggling from deep. Um, but hey man, in February he's come off the bench these couple of games. He shot it on average three point three times a game from deep and he's made 2.3. So when he comes out there, he's not afraid to shoot it and he's making a lot of them. So it's not like he's out there just hitting one. So just something to look for for the Nuggets. I think they should really play him more. And they decided to play him against the Lakers. So that tells me something, a lot of minutes, 24, most he's played all season. Just a little interesting little tidbit from them. Um, But moving on, these dudes, I don't even know who I want to look at more. You know, we're not saying both of us. Um, the Blazers end up being the Mavericks, and it was an incredible game. 121-118. They pull it out. Dame time struck 34 points, 11 assists for him. He was 12, 26 from the field, but he has a plus 11 out there. Hey, man, you know what? I'm going to take it back. He's not a front runner because he's got to shoot the ball every time. And they all seem very comfortable with him just shooting the ball and getting back on defense. And late in the game, 116 all. He had the ball. Some reason, hey, man, they, whoever was on him, just let him do it. But he had a little step back three. I knew it was coming. 
They they didn't know it was coming. Hit it. They went up three. Luke had a chance. Next possession. Shot a three. Went in and out. And they could not win the game. So another win for the Blazers. They are now 16-10. and 10. Doing a great job early this season. Carmelo has started to pick it up as well. Plus nine out there. Even though he was one of eight from three, he did have 15 points. Um, and Gary Trent, man, 17 as well. Three for eight from deep. And if Covington is going to go four for four out there, that's how you're going to win games. Um, for the Mavs, Porzingis 0 for three from deep, but he did have 18 points, eight rebounds. Finney Smith, four of seven from deep. Hardaway off the bench. That's the production you want from him. Four for 12. Um, two for seven out there from deep. But he did have 12 points. Brunson, he continues to be a nice factor. 11 points plus 14, but he couldn't hit any threes. And Luca, or plus minus on the team, minus 10. Five turnovers, whatever, nine assists. But 44 points, 14 for 20 from the field. Five of eight from deep. Dom, what'd you see out of this one? It was something that I was just watching and like just watching it. Portland just gets a lot of, you know, good production out of their guards. And then their forwards are just good enough at not, well, aside from Carmelo, Carmelo like is the other score. And whenever he has a decent game, then, you know, they have a higher chance of winning. But, like, normally their forwards, like, we were we were watching Derek Jones Jr. He just doesn't get killed on defense. And then, like, he's really good at getting putbacks, like, putback dunks, putback rebounds. He's just, like, highly athletic. And that's all they need him to do. Like, in Miami, they needed him to do a little more, which is what was, you know, kind of ruining his value there. But, you know, in, in, in Portland, all he has to do is be athletic, literally. And then Covington just got to go out there, play some defense play some defense and he hit his threes. He's been struggling from three for the most part this season, but he went out there, he made them. So, you know, that's going to help them every time. And for Dallas, they didn't get, they just didn't get a lot of production out of their bench this time. You know, Trey Burke was out there. He was a plus eight in nine minutes, but you know, they didn't play him too much. Hardaway went out there. He only shot four for 12. So I mean, Hardaway is going to – Hardaway is their next best scorer. And if Porzingis ain't going to go for 30 fucking six, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is a beatable team, so, you know. Damn, you're still upset. All right, Darnell, what were your thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, for me, I think Portland – yeah, I think they have to rely on Dame to shoot the ball because they don't have many other options. I think Gary Trent's probably the second best option. And we know he's a, a player that if he gets hot, keep feeding him the ball. But if his jump shot's not falling, then there's not much value he brings to you on the offensive end besides facing the floor. And I think you want Covington, Covington to shoot the ball well. You got that out of him. That was a good thing to see. Carmelo's been playing like, a, a rejuvenated version of himself this year. And he wasn't able to do it from the free throw or from the three-point line. He was only one of eight, but seven of 17 overall, that's not terrible. It's not good either, but he pitched in 15. You got four of six from three from Simmons. I think that's a good thing to see from Portland. And Portland's been playing really good basketball as late. You want to see what they look like when they get fully healthy, if they can continue to play this way, but Looking at Dallas, I think Luca tried to beat his career high again. He had 46 the night, the game prior, 
44 tonight or last night, and they needed more out of Porzingis. They couldn't get him to make any threes, but if he can figure out a way to kind of replicate what he did the other night when he had that 36, they'll be a dangerous team. But if he's going to be an average player like this, then they don't have a shot to be some of the better teams in the West. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Luca, watching this game, Porzingis obviously he's got he's got to be dominant. It's just tough though because as we said, without Seth, they just lose the scoring. And Luca really was dragging them back in the game. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And I was ready to say Dame Soul because he was taking a lot of pat shots and missing them. But then he hit the one. He hit the one that mattered, the one that put it away. And Luca just couldn't hit. I mean, Luca did everything. Obviously, another two straight forty-point games for him. Starting to look like the guy who we said was MVP candidate. But it won't matter if they can't get above a seven seed because you. I, one thing the NBA can't do now is give the MVP to someone who's through that seven to ten range because they could easily miss the playoffs. So it won't matter. They don't get to a six seed no matter how much he scores. It's because they don't play any defense. And they really – if Porzingis doesn't have at least 20, 25 plus, and we've seen him go on off, they won't have anyone else who can really score the ball. All right, moving on. The Pelicans lost to the Pistons 123-112. Lion Williamson, worst plus minus on the team, um, but he was 10 of 20, 26 points, eight rebounds, three assists, but he was a minus 12. Um, Ingram, seven for 19, three of 10 from deep, 26 points, seven assists. Lonzo, solid game, 13 points, 5'11 from the field. Eric Bledsoe, one for nine from the field. All of them were threes for reasons that remain unclear. I, t- I don't understand why he did that. Um, uh, anyway, um, for the Pistons, they started Zadik Bay after his amazing performance. He continues, hey, man, I have something here. They're probably going to let him go in free agency or whatever. They're going to do something stupid with it. But 16 points, six assists, four of eight from deep. He's taken the place of Wayne Ellington. He really has. Grant, four for five from four, – four of 15 from the field. But 15 points for him. And off the bench – no, I still don't know how to say this guy's last name, man. But CV out there, he's been having some nice performances for them off the bench in these games where they win. 18 points, four of eight from deep. Josh Jackson, 21 as well off the bench. Um, and we know the Pelicans' bench is awful. And the Pistons, for some reason, sometimes comes through very, very clutch for them. Darnell, what would you see out of this one? Yeah, I think it came down to the – we look at – I think it's gotten to the point that you look at Zion Williamson and he shot 10 of 20 from the field, and you say that's a bad – that's an off night for him. That's how absurd his free or his field goal percentage is. But I think Brandon Ingram going seven of nineteen was the killer. They only lost by what nine or eleven points. And I think if they would have got a kind of better performance out of those two, they would have had a better chance in the game. But you got to give Detroit credit because they've been playing well the last few games or so, and they didn't get the scoring from Wayne Ellington, but they got. Scoring off the bench, Josh Jackson pitched in 21. They got 18 from 
I can't pronounce his name either. <laughs> but yeah, Del- Delon Wright, he's been in the starting lineup playing well. He scored 17, and that's pretty much all you need. Whenever you can have balanced scoring like that, it's always going to be tough to defend. And we, we know New Orleans can't guard anybody, and they're a bad defensive team. But that was pretty much what did it for them, and that's why they lost the game. Mm-hmm. Tom, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't call this a rare game for Detroit. They really do be in every game. <laughs> so it's just, it's just a matter of who going – it's just a matter of who going to let them win and who not. And as we know with the Pelicans, you know, like you were saying, they, they can't guard threes. They spoke the, the two dudes, the two people are supposed to be good at guarding threes, but clearly they're not. So, well, they're supposed to be good perimeter defenders at least, but neither of them are that good at guarding threes as we saw Chicago broke records, broke a record against them. And then Dallas came back right back into form against them. So, you know, Detroit just came out there, was real confident against them. It was making all their shots, you know, McKaylick. Um, you know, he has 18, um, Josh Jackson was 21. Mason Plumley had a triple double. So that's good to see out of him. He's always kind of been a, a good passing big. So, you know, that's pretty good, but you know, everybody just only had only went four fifteen. you know, he's the one that got shoot it. So they understand that. And with, with the Pelicans, you know, they just, he, Bledsoe going one for nine. He just can't do that. Bledsoe can't shoot the shoot nine threes and only make one of them. They're never going to win if that happens. So and then Ingram, he relatively struggled. He went seven to nineteen from the field. They didn't have the offense. So you know that's one thing that the Pelicans are going to struggle with because Zion's their best player and he don't really shoot threes. Most of their points are going to come right in the paint. And they don't have a they don't have great three point shooting from anybody else. And again, the only people that's supposed to be decent at it, they also can't play defense. So, you know, if they're not going to be able to defend nobody and not really be able to shoot, then I mean, there's there's limitations that this team gonna have. Yeah, I mean, with the Pelicans, let's look at well. First off, with the Pistons. We've noted all year that the problem really was Derrick Rose. And Dennis Smith has come there, and he's been a positive for them, mainly because he's not shooting the ball as much, and he's kind of letting everyone else shoot the ball. And they've started winning games the second they got Derrick Rose out of there. Very interesting. Both teams have. So, I very interesting thing to happen there. A rare trade that seems like it's working out for both, at least for right now. Um, but for the Pelicans – they have one of the bottom five backcourts in the league. I can say that confidently now. These Lonzo and Bledsoe just, I mean, we can keep saying Lonzo's playing. Oh, he's playing nice. He's playing good. He never scores more than 16. And he's not passing it that great this year either. So if he's not going to get you the assist, and he's, he's, he has, he averages 14 a game with five assists. That's okay. And we know Bledsoe. He just can be terrible out there. Um, he also averages 13 points and four assists. So they're both going to do that. But then we see them on defense not do anything, which is supposed to be the strength, right? Just to guard people. These dudes guard nobody. So, all right, a couple guys who don't really pass that great. It gets you like 13 points. So that's cool. But the way that backcourts work now, someone on most teams is getting you at least 17, 18. 
right? So you're not going to be able to do that or guard anybody. You're going to let the other team do it. We see Detroit out here hitting 50% of their threes. They're the third straight game. That's the perimeter's fault. Someone's got to do something about that. Um, the other problem is, is Ingram is your second best player. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's like kind of KD-ish. That's – KD does this thing, man. We've seen it. We've seen it in big games. We've seen it, you know, regular season games. We kind of – you just kind of forget he's out there. Because um, if he's not scoring, if he's not – it seems like all the shots are going to go in, right? So you never think he shoots too many bad shots. But if he's not scoring, he kind of goes invisible out there. Um, now, this game, Ingram did have seven assists. So, you know, that's fair. But it's just too many games where he's very inefficient. And you think it would work because Zion's so efficient. But, again, it doesn't work because the backcourt doesn't do anything. They don't guard anyone and they don't score. So – I don't guard anyone. You don't score. It leads a lot on Ingram, and Ingram can't. If Ingram's ever inefficient, they just lose. And so for the Pelicans, man, it's just what they are. And their bench isn't going to help either. So they need to do something. I just don't know what it is that they need to do. I don't know what they can get. Right? I don't know. What they yeah, I think get. they need to make a move. I think they need to make a move, especially because. I think right now they're just asking too much of Brandon Ingram. I don't think he's at that level yet, but yeah, you need to make a move. What that move is, I don't know either. I can't, I can't tell you. I think the move is wait for these first round picks. That's that's the only move I can think of. Obviously, yeah, but when when you do that, that means you have to you're eventually gonna have to make some moves because you're gonna draft players that's either gonna replace Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball, or Eric Bledsoe, right? So yeah. you're gonna have to make a move for those one of those three eventually. So why not do it now? I definitely think yeah, Lonzo or Eric probably be you know two of the, the two people got to go because again the worst to me they're one of the worst backcourts in the league. I was really yeah. looking at the teams and I'm like, they're better than the Pistons maybe. We just saw them lose to them. There's no reason to lose to them. So I don't even know if that's really a debate. I mean, I'm trying to even think of bad magic, but that's only because the magic are hurt, right? Yeah. Everyone else at least has one star. You know, like the Clippers have Paul George. Like the Cavs have Sexton. Like they're, it's the Spurs have a bunch of backcourt players. The Timberwolves, shoot, I would take Russell and Beasley over them. And then you add Edwards in there, too. I think Russell and yeah. Beasley are better than both of these guys. And they're one of the worst teams in the league. That's mainly because Carl Towns has been there. But their backcourt is a huge issue. I say you just trade both of them. Honestly. Say, you know what? Let Alexander Walker start. Just cut the core on this. They're just not good enough. See enough. They're not going to guard anybody. We know that they have scoring limitations. And yeah, I wouldn't like be mad if, if, it, if it was only one of them, it would be better, right? Because if it was one of them, then one of them could just yeah. focus on defense. But it can't be both of them. It's both of them. They both kind of want to score, and neither one of them is playing defense for some reason. So I don't know. It, looked, it was a nice idea. I actually like what he tried to do. Just like, hey, man, if we can't score, let's get Eric Bledsoe and try to just guard everybody. 
They didn't know. It was a Josh Richardson-like trade. You can't guard it. But at least, <laughs> they, at least they got first out of the deal. So it is what that trade really fucked both teams up. <laughs> Pretty badly. The uh the Pelican, the Pelicans and the and the Bucks, they both ruined each other. Yep. Because the Bucks ended up just trading everything. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to do that. But hey man, moving on. <laughs> the gift keeps on giving. The Wizards beat the Celtics 104-91. Boy, oh boy, what a wild one. Um, for the Celtics, sheesh. I don't even know, I don't even know what to say to this one. Um, Jason Tatum went out there, three of 14, <laughs> minus 20. Kemba said, chill on me, man. I went 9-18 out here with 4 7 3 Had my 25. Y'all can look at him today. Um, Ojale, 1 for 6, minus 29. Yikes. Um, Jalen Brown tried 11 for 21, 25 points. But this is clear to me. This team just – they just stink. They don't have Marcus Smart. Tried everything they cut off the bench. Pritchard, minus 11, though, in 17 minutes. Robert Williams, minus 17 in 11 minutes for him as well. They put Tristan on the bench this game, obviously, because they want to see cards starting Ojale. This will probably be the last time Ojale touches over 10 minutes. <laughs> Can't be out there at minus 29 against the Wizards, man. I was rooting for you, Ojale, but damn, kind of ruined the bag on this one. Damn. Um, yeah, he kind of fucked it up. And then moving on, interestingly enough, I saw Dom do this in the video game. They went out there and they started Mo Wagner. 11 points, plus 11 for him as the center position. We've seen them get torched at the center position um, a lot this year, but not this game. Bertans off the bench. Just the, it's, it's just the threat of him shooting it. Two of six from deep. But he was a plus 17 out there at 24 minutes. They put Denny um, – Avija on the bench. He was only a minus two. That's a lot better than he was doing in the starting lineup. He also had 10 rebounds. He's much more aggressive this game. So I tried to dunk on Taco. Didn't quite do it, uh, but he tried. Um, Bradley Beal, 35 points, five assists. Got his averages. 10 to 18 from the field, plus 22. And our hero, six of 19, but 11 rebounds and 11 assists, 9 rebounds, just short of that triple-double. 13 points, plus 27 for Russell Westbrook. He is the only player in NBA history who has had a airballed free throw and a plus 27 in the same game. Don, what were your thoughts? I mean, for Boston, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, we were saying Marcus Smart was, like, you know, the key to the team. You know, when they be saying, like, somebody is the heart of the team, then they be like, you know, they kind of just mean, like, they're the main – like, they like the team goes with them. Nah, they be mean that person is the best player. We saw it with the Clippers. They be like, Patrick Beverly's the best player. I mean, the heart of the team. Nah, he is the team. <laughs> yep. We see it with the Celtics now. Marcus Smart's the heart of the team. Nah, he is the team. Bro, they had everybody else. At this point, it's either Marcus Smart is the best player on the team or we need to look at Brad Stevens at coaching because it's one of the two because he really had everybody else. Every single other player was on the team besides Marcus Smart. 
So it's just like, I mean, Tatum was awful. Tatum was horrible. Jalen, you know, Jalen and Kemba, you know, picked it up well. But, you know, they they need production from everywhere they can find it. Days and Marcus. So, you know, that's that's just what it came down to, to me personally. And that's why, like, at first I was saying Kemba needs to be – I mean, all – the reason I was saying Kevin needs to be good is because at least Tatum and Brown were both doing something. Tatum just decided to do nothing for the first, for Kemba's like first really good game. So, I mean, if, if they're not going to have Marcus out there playing defense, because really Brown and Marcus are the only defenders, are the, are the only perimeter defenders on the team. So if you're going to miss one of them, then that's, that does just harm everything. Yep. Don't know what were your thoughts. For me, it comes down to Kimba, and you 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 look at Kimba score twenty five, but normally you pencil in Jason Tatum would score twenty five. So you kind of just flip flop their roles in this game. So it's not they need that third score, and they didn't get that. They got thirty minutes out of Semi Ojale, and he only scored three points with a minus twenty nine. That's terrible. You need. Marcus Smart back to eat some of those minutes that you're giving Simi Ojale. Maybe that can kind of release some of the pressure off of him, put him in a role that he's more comfortable in coming off the bench. You can bring in Tristan Thompson off the bench or cut his minutes back, whatever you want to do. But there's a lot of decisions that Brad Stevens has to make. And I think Boston right now is grasping for air. They're sitting at 500. And with the trade deadline coming up next month, I think we're going to see Boston make a move. They're going to be one of the more aggressive teams because I think that this is another season that they can compete. And if not, if they don't make a move, I think we're going to see Boston kind of be a team that peaked too soon. And it's going to be a lot of questions about Brad Stevens, but we're not at that level yet. I don't want to kind of put the cart before the horse, but I think Boston – has a lot of issues that they got to figure out, especially Brad Stevens. And mainly it comes down to who's going to be that production off the bench, who's going to be that third scorer, and can they get, get can they get good center minutes? What Boston needs to do right now is that if your name doesn't start with Jay or Marcus, you're available. Damn, Kemba, who is going to call you out? And whoever – and any if, – if your name doesn't start with – Jay or Marcus, you're available, and they just need to, you know, get whoever they can. If you can find any big name that's available for anybody. Again, they're looking at Vucevic, but if they can just find some, I won't say a big name, but just like a consistent presence out there. Just like an all, if they can find an all-star caliber player for anybody that's available, they just need to, they just need to, you know, push the trigger on it as soon as possible because that's the only way the team really is just devoid of talent and like you know at first when, with, with the with the first season right when they went to the eastern conference finals we were like oh look at brad stevens he's so able to you know develop all the young talent and he's so great with all the young talent boston's just filled with a bunch of young talent right now and outside of pritchard and the two jays who were both two top three picks don't mind you but like people forget Jalen Brown was also the third pick of the draft before it's just, he didn't come alive until like the next year. But aside from the two top three picks, 
nobody else on the team really contributes that well. Pritchard is good. Pritchard is, I would say Pritchard has been like a top, at least a top 10 rookie, if not a top five rookie so far. But outside of those two and him, like Grant Williams isn't that good. Robert Williams isn't that good. Uh, 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 the Green, I don't know, I forget his name. What's his name? Like Javante Green, he isn't mm-hmm. that good. Semi, he's a, he's more of a veteran, but he's not that great. You know, Taco doesn't even get playing time. So it's just like they have a lot of people. Carson Edwards isn't that good. Like, I think we kind of overrated their player development just because the two the two top three picks developed into being two really good players. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean what happened is Brad Stevens came on the scene. Um, and he beat Brett Brown. And the Sixers were a more talented team, but Brett Brown's an off coach. And that gave Brad Stevens a lot of his reputation. That's, that's that simple to me. Um, and we've seen them also, they beat the Wizards one time in seven, and they beat the Raptors one time in seven. But as we've noted, they get all the calls in those games. So Lee really wants them to do well. Um, but to, to really paint the picture of this, man, the Wizards – in this game, a team that does not play defense, shot the ball 40% from the field, 23% from deep, and beat them by double digits. And I know you guys see a bunch of plus 12s in five minutes. They were beating them so bad that they were just like, you know what, we give up. And the Celtics outscored them by nine in the fourth. So the Wizards were really beating them by 20. Heading into the fourth quarter, they don't do that to anybody, ever. So the Celtics, it's really, without Marcus, they're just coming apart. And also remember, they're 500, and they were given two weeks off while other teams, <laughs> the Sixers, had to play when people were dealing with the virus. And they're like, ah, Celtics, you guys, we'll postpone all your games. Everyone else, though, y'all got to play. And so they actually could be a lot worse. They could at least be two, three games under 500 right now had they been forced to play like other teams were forced to play. I'm going to put that out there as some perspective. And you know the craziest part? They're 500 and they're fourth in the West. I mean, fourth in the East. Or fifth. They're fifth now, but they're they're fifth fifth in the East at 500. East? Come on, man. Yeah. Indiana's fourth. Yep. That just shows how bad Indiana's. It just shows four. how bad the East, the East is. East is pretty. It's pretty trash. It's pretty garbage. Oh. Right now, it the East is all Philly. <laughs> I know Brooklyn's coming alive now, but even Brooklyn has their problems. So, the re, the East really is all Philly. Ugh, we're really about to get a Celtics Pacers first round victory for the Celtics. God, that's just gross. <laughs> And then they really about to come right to us. We gonna find out Doc Rivers is a bad coach or not? Because we there's no way we should lose to this team unless they make some changes. There's like absolutely no way. But in the regular season, they fight with us every time. So anyway, we will see. How about when you will you give them a pass if y'all lose to Brooklyn? Depends on how. I have to see it. 
if Katie and Kyrie are just too good, they're just too good. Um, you know. Hey man, this is just, this is what we do. You know what for you guys, man. I know you guys missed us all weekend. Here all star breaks. So we come back and we give you a feature film, a movie long production of a podcast. We're gonna end it like we gotta end it, man. Game of the game of the weekend, player of the weekend, coach of the weekend, dickhead of the weekend. Darnell, let's hear it. What you got, man? All right, my player of the weekend is Luka Doncic. Obviously, he had 46, and then he followed that up with a 44, even though it was in a loss. I'm still going to go with Luka for my game of the weekend. I'm going to just stick with Dallas and Portland from last night. Portland pulling out 121-118. For my coach of the weekend, I'm going to go with Detroit, and I'm going to go with Dwayne Casey pulling off a victory against – Two good teams over the weekend. Well, Pelicans aren't really that good of a team, but still winning that game, I got to give them props for that. And my dickhead of the weekend goes to Danny Ainge for not surrounding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with better talent, for letting Gordon Hayward walk for nothing, for letting Terry Rozier become an even better player in Charlotte than he was with the Celtics. So that's my picks. I want to hear you guys. Damn, he came crazy with the dickheads today. <laughs> Didn't see Danny Ainge coming. Dom, what, what are your answers? I would say I agree with um, player and uh, – I agree with player and coach. I agree with Luca and Dwayne Casey. I would say game of the weekend. I'd probably give it to OKC versus Denver. And then Dickhead, I actually agree because I, I, I thought about this. I forgot about it. But I was like, bro, if Boston just going to be this ass anyway, they might as well just gone the fuck ahead and kept Terry Rose a year for, and paid him less money than they paying Kemba to go out there and be off. Yeah. I know Kemba was good yesterday, but look Kemba at that point. I mean kept Terry at that point. Yeah, I agree. And um for me, I have to agree. Player that I hate letting y'all go first because y'all be taking my players, man. Luca. Oh no, it's easily Luca, but everyone was like, does Luca? So I'm like, yeah, great, it's Luca. How much more I can say about him? He was shooting great from three. Did a great job. Um my game of the weekend as well would be uh, Portland-Dallas because Dallas really fought and they were really right there. Almost got that big win. Uh, my coach of the weekend, I do love Dwayne Casey. I do love me some Dwayne Casey. But I'm going to go with the GOAT. I'm going to go with Greg Popovich, man. They're 16-11. They just keep beating these teams who we think are more talented and they just go ahead and just beat them, beat them, beat them every time, every single time. You have a losing record. You're not beating the Spurs. It's weird. Just keeps happening. Um, my dickhead of the weekend, actually, I'm giving it. I'm giving it to Eric Bledsoe because he doesn't do anything. And he came out last night and decided that he was a three point shooter for no reason, <laughs> for no reason at all. 
And he went out there and he shot nine threes and it made no sense. So there you go, Eric Bledsoe. You, you, don't, you don't guard the Mavericks. I know it's going back a little bit far, but you didn't guard the Bulls. You don't guard the Mavericks. You let the Pistons shoot on you. Um, he's all team first defense who doesn't guard anybody. And now he's a three-point shooter who can't shoot. So there you go, Eric. Take that. Gave you a lot of credit on the year. You didn't deserve so There you go. Um, hey, man, thank you guys so much Woo, for listening. Um, we appreciate the consistent support. Oh, man. Tonight. Jazz Sixers, yikes, at nine. That's going to be a fun one. So um, until next time for Darnell and Dom, this was Demetrius, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Next time.